Rightio. Well, that's a good way to start. We even minimised Spotify in the end just in time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. <laughs> um, it's been a while since we've done Casting Chamber. It has been a good while, um, but I'm glad to be back, and I'm glad to be back with Munchables, who's going to be joining me for today. Uh, first things first, Hello. I'm sorry I had to show you a tweet of what you just witnessed. Um, <laughs> I, Did you I, show them? The... <laughs> I, I'm probably not going to show them because I feel like I'm going to get in oh, trouble. Oh, I, I thought you were saying that too, chat. I thought that was like, uh, sorry about that, chat. Um, <laughs> but essentially, an OCE jungler uh, showcasing a real-life Gragas W. That was um, <laughs> something to kind of warm us up. That, and, was, uh, that was a league player. Holy shit. Well, I, I mean, like not, not the person doing it. The person who tweeted oh. it. I feel like it basically know, gets a, gets a bin and bashes someone on the head with it. And it was, yeah, I've, I've put it in. I've put it in Twitch chat so we can all experience it. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Um, it is good to have you on the show today. I, you know, I've been meaning to, to come back around, and you know, I've been talking to you about this for a little while as well. So it's like, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like it's it's a long time coming. Um, yeah. and of, of course, when, yeah, you and I, you and I have been casting in the in the same league for what since 2020 you came on lpl 2020 um yeah it was 2020 wasn't it? jesus i'm, yeah, I'm really start 2020 yeah yeah <laughs> um and it feels and, like a lot longer than that doesn't it well doesn't it because we we did we did that 2020 year in in china where if a lot of people don't know we yeah. actually we that was that took three years off of my life oh yeah <laughs> we we couldn't travel we couldn't go anywhere we were literally stuck within shanghai from Dude. i mean and yeah. you, you came and camped out. You came and camped out at our flat when, when COVID hit. We basically just sat all in one flat for, what was it, like a, a, at least a week, right? Oh, I think it was a couple of weeks because I was scared because it was when COVID hit and it was like January, February. So we did the first week of LPL. Everything was normal. And then after that, it was like, all right, this thing called COVID's going on. Oh, hello. Having a beer. For me, it's like 8.30. So that's that's wild. Old speckled head. No, it's, it's half past ten here, so mm. <laughs> time zones, eh? Not even once. Not That's even true. once. That's why a little bit early. But um, yeah, I, I was, I was. I, you guys let me camp out in your flat at the start in Shanghai, and that was a couple of weeks after. Um, that wasn't. Our, that was even after we came back as well, because remember we all went to our home countries, and then mm. we came back in, and then I camped out again. Conglomerated. Yeah. <laughs> And then we. I we remember did. you cooked delicious meatballs one day. Oh, did I? That's, okay. that's my most prominent memory of you <laughs> <laughs> being over there. And oh. also, I made a, a WeChat sticker of you like leaning on the TV, looking existential. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. That that still exists somewhere. It still exists. Um, it's on my phone. <laughs> we we had yeah. It was it's very overwhelming, especially when COVID starting and we didn't know what was going on. That was like a big big year. That's why it feels like we've been working together. I think longer than. Um, we actually have Um, and the reason you know I wanted to get you on the show too is because I think when we're talking about play-by-play like I know personally that having worked with you that you have a very good grasp on casting but not just that but you have a very good I guess your way of analyzing the role and analyzing casting I think is actually quite unique Um, I don't know anyone who can kind of remove themselves like they're looking down on the role and actually have a very balanced opinion so I want to get I want to get straight into things. You got the beer open. That's high like, praise, thank you. Hey, no, were you not expecting it? Do you want me to? Do you want me to shit on you, you know, a bit? Hey, 
<laughs> Flattery can get you to a lot of places in life, and uh, it's working. It's working. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's true. I, I mean, I'm trying. Normally, I can be maybe I can be a bit of a dick. So this is a good change. Um, let's let's hop into it because, as I already talked about, I already gave you the praise that you, I feel like you understand the role really well. Um, I, I want you to kind of like walk me through the intro of Munchables first of all, like how you actually began, how you became you as a caster. I guess a little bit of the backstory as well and like how you got to the LPL would be an awesome way for you to kick it off. Sure. Um, so it, it's quite a long story. I've been in esports for a while at this mm. point. Um, I started, I, I honestly have no idea what year I started like watching esports, but I, I watched League of Legends specifically from like season two onwards. Um, but I was originally a big StarCraft fan and a huge World of Warcraft Arena fan. Um, so I was actually a fan of Azale long before he started oh, commentating were. League of Legends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so I, my, my favorite player was Snutsy, who's a, who's a warlock. Uh, but I digress. I'll not talk about World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, I was a big esports fan already. Um, I worked in an estate agent. I was fucking miserable. Mm. Um and basically, I, me and my friends would watch LCS every day. Uh, we'd be chilling in, in TeamSpeak <laughs> because Discord didn't exist back then. And True. we would basically, we would watch LCS all day, every day. And I would be talking constantly about the games, about what the teams are doing and all of this. And one day, my friend Jordan basically said, not, not Jordan as in Lyric, different Jordan, Jordan Hill. Shout out to Jill. We called him Jill because there was three Jordans in his class. So they each got nicknamed jordan Hill, Jill, yeah <laughs> so jill um shout out to him because he was like hey you talk more than the commentators do why don't you try being a commentator and i was like hey that's not a bad idea um so i started commentating just random shit on youtube i did like i would so back in the old days on the league client there was a little box at the bottom that said watch live and it was high elo games whenever yeah. there was a high elo game playing you could just click and it would it would take you to it so i just did those um for for a few episodes on youtube mm. and literally just uh was commentating those i would look for ones where there'd be like a pro player or whatever so if you go back on i don't know if they're public still but if you go back on my youtube channel there's a bunch of them. It's called Spectate Live. There's like 12 episodes or something of like me finding Alex Hitch in solo queue and like commentating his game or whatever. Yeah. I posted that to Reddit and I was like, hey, can anyone give me some feedback? Because I want to do the LCS, but you know, I don't know how to get better. Or, or does anyone have any gigs or sort me out, guys? And it got like it got like 50 or 60 upvotes or something like that, which, you know, when you've never that's not bad. Really succeeded in any form before. Like that was a big deal to me. Yeah. There was a bunch of comments with criticism and stuff. And there was this guy called Josh who commented on that saying, Hey, um, or in fact, pre there was there was a guy called Josh who runs the Newell, which is the UK University Esports League, basically. The the National University Esports League in, in the okay. UK. Um so he messaged me, but there was another guy called Sean who was doing a dissertation at university. He was doing his third year. It was in like communications and media sort of deal. And so for his dissertation, he ran a League of Legends tournament. So he got four teams of his mates at uni. And right. basically it was, it was like to prove that he could like organize something and deal with the communication and the management and run a broadcast for it and all of this stuff, basically. Mm. 
and he basically messaged me off of the Reddit post and was like, hey, do you want to do this? I I was going to do it myself, but you seem like you want to commentate. I've got something I need commentated. What do you say? And I was like, wow. Sean, I'm there. Um, <laughs> so, so we did that. It was only a couple of hours or something. Um, and then afterwards, he, he gave me 20 quid on PayPal. I was there like, you go. That's your first, that's your first so paid my gig. First ever gig. My first ever gig, I actually got paid. You uh, got paid, dude. <laughs> a lot of casters don't get that, so... You're right. already like moving um, towards the big leagues. Exactly. And then it then there was a couple of years of not getting paid <laughs> that followed that. Well that also happened. Uh, I did a lot of university esports and all that kind of good stuff. Mm. When I did Epic LAN, which is unpaid, but you get free beers and like you get a ticket to LAN and all it's that stuff and they pay for your trade. So you know what who who's not going to LAN anyway, right? So that was pretty good. And then uh, eventually came around, I managed to get insomnia which is like the big UK land. They were paying 50 quid a day. Let's Ooh. fucking go, lads. What year, Practically what year was a that? Career. What year, year is that? We're talking uh, 50 quid. Let me check. Because that was... Well, I mean, it's not it's not a big, big gig anyway, right? No, so it's no, not... Um, a paid gonna gig in esports is still, because... is still significant. Like, I, I think I think you underestimate how, how big it is getting paid for... A gig at esports, if you're talking about something that's like not that big. Yeah. There's a lot of people that try and get away with not paying. They they pay you an exposure, which is mm-hmm. beyond a meme at this point. So See, that's, that's, still that's a big the deal. beauty of the UK scene is there is no exposure. <laughs> 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 they can't use that excuse. Oh, dude, they try <laughs> over here, but it's the same deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this was 2015. I've just checked the dates of the event. It was uh, in August 2015 at the Rico Arena. And uh, this is also coincidentally the first time I ever went to a casino because everyone goes to the casino after the land. Um, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> I lost track of where I was at. So yeah, we go, we go and uh, commentate th- at, at, um, at I fifty five. Yep. Um, and that was my first ever paid gig. Off the back of I-55 and off the back of Epic Land and stuff and off the back of Newell, I'd ended up working with some of the guys at ESL because Newell ran like every other month or something like that. Basically, yeah. their big event, their big finals happened and ESL UK had agreed to host them for free uh, because it was university stuff and it was like they get the shout out that ESL is a good thing to all of these universities, right? They get sure. to be a partner and Newell gets a cool broadcast to finish the season, right? So I got to go work at the ESL studio, which at the time was like, holy fuck, a real oh, yeah. studio. I can imagine. Um, which was actually just like a hole in the wall in in Leicester. <laughs> it was not glamorous, but it was fucking cool because it was a mm. real thing. And I was still doing it for free, and I had to pay for my own petrol to get there and stuff. And my mate who lived in Scotland would get a train down from Scotland to my house, stay over that night. Then we'd drive to Leicester the next day wow. to cast in this studio and then drive back from Leicester that evening. It was uh, it was an adventure, but I got to meet all the ESL staff. They were starting to run more and more League of Legends stuff, and they were also mm. running Counter-Strike stuff. And they were having to pay freelancers every single time. They were like, hey, why don't we get someone that can commentate both of these games and then we can pay less money. <laughs> True. So I was in. that guy. <laughs> the, 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 uh, you know, under earned a little bit, I'll admit, but you know, I was still very, very green around the ears. So to be honest, it was, it was fair play. And, uh, 
I finally got. I was technically. I'll give you a little stat here. Yeah. I was the first time. I was the first person to be full time employed as a esports commentator in the UK. Wow. Because Joe Miller and D Man had both been pros before me, and Red Eye, and all of these old school guys. Uh, but they weren't in the UK. They were all in Germany when they were full time. So I was the first domestic um, full time commentator for esports. Which is a pretty cool title to have. That is. Um, yeah, so so that was exciting. Stayed at ESL for three years. Um, so well, I'll, we're moving to, moving to 2018 a little bit. Cause, uh, uh, three years? like Yeah, so this was 20... What, what year did I say Insomnia was? You said Insomnia was 2015. April 2015, if that was the right month. Uh yeah so i think i joined esl 2017 if i'm not mistaken oh. it's, it's hard to remember the date that's that's why i gotta get um, the time the time the timeline working because you, yeah. you've had you've had a lot of it like you've had a lot of like jumping experience which is i, I think very normal in esports right yeah. like one gig leads to another one gig leads to another company a better company like a leg up you know trying exactly. to make your way through that door so yeah there was a there was a lot of that there was mm. a lot of that um and it took a long time for me to get out of the the voluntary side of things and into actually getting to work full-time yeah if i'm not mistaken on the timeline i could be totally wrong here off the top of my head i could get my cv up and check but I, <laughs> it seems like a lot of effort um yeah. i think it was 2017 in the summer that i joined esl um I think that works. No, it might have been 2016. Shit, that's a long time ago. Yeah, this is this is not a comfortable conversation for me. I'm getting really old. (laughs) (laughs) Because that doesn't feel like that long ago. Uh, Um. Anyway, whatever year it was, undisclosed year. Um. Yeah. Wait, IEM was 2017, so I'd already been at ESL for two years at that point. So it must have been 2016, or at least a year, or 2015, maybe. Okay. Shit. So, <laughs> you really thinking back. This is obviously hurting, but because that led us to IEM, right? Yeah, because IEM is obviously a very big event. That's okay. It's all right. Um, <laughs> IEM was like, a, a, I know you've talked about IEM a little bit as well. It was a very big event for you. Uh, so, so yeah. lead me into that. So, so I was, I joined DSL. I was casting uh, League of Legends, Counter Strike, Hearthstone. Um, there was some. I cast Guild Wars two while I was there as well. I cast oh, Guild wow. Wars two Pro League, and I cast a whole bunch of other random games yeah. at, at random one off events. But those were like the four that I did consistently. Um, but League of Legends was still the one that I was like. That was the one I joined for. That was the one mm. I wanted to do when I first joined ESL. I never told them this, but ESL to me was a stepping stone to get on LCS. Right? Like that's, I wanted to be on fair. EU LCS. ESL was just like okay, this is where I can get my reps in and then I'll go straight to LCS, which obviously worked out, as you can see. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, been yeah. at the LEC working for years. Uh, you yeah. know how it is. Uh, <laughs> 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 and so I'd been at ESL for like maybe, I think it was like a year and a half or two years. Mm-hmm. And there'd been a few like League of Legends events, IEM uh, and other things that I had not been offered because 
there was D minor HQ and there was uh, Machina HQ and mm. and a and a few other people that pretty hard competition. That ESL would rather have right because yeah. I was not I was not big deal. I was just some random UK guy. Yeah. And every single event, I would email Joe Miller and be like, "Hey man, can I do this event, please? I'm begging you." Um, and every single event, he'd be like, "No, fuck off." Um, he would <laughs> actually, obviously not, obviously not, but but. Um, in 2017, I finally got to go and do IEM, and it was fucking awesome. And like, sure. it's still one of it's still one of the best experiences of my life as a commentator because yep. since then I've never done a stadium event with a crowd. This is all pre-COVID, and it was in the Spodek Arena in Poland, and the tickets were free. And Poland's big on esports, so mm. everyone just why would you not? Right? Why would you free not ticket. go and watch that? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like cool international competition, free tickets. Like, why would you not go? So the, the stadium was packed out. Um, and the best part was my one of my best mates, the guy that I lived with at the time, was one of the people um sort of helping on the organizational side of things, because we both worked at ESL, right? He was the talent manager for it. So I basically got to have a week and a half of my roommate being like my my runabout <laughs> so That's i so could good. say to my roommate go get me a red bull <laughs> oh, obviously not quite not quite but but that was that was quite enjoyable um, but that relationship was fun after that yeah yeah <laughs> no, 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 no. We're, we're still good friends obviously but um this was actually the second iem i'd been to but the mm. previous one i had done uh i did rainbow six siege when that first came out and i um but it was that like literally over- would have just come out it was time. literally the first I, actually yeah there's there's another accolade for you i cast the first two weeks of rainbow six pro league wow. there you go okay um because it was at iem and yeah. i was a esl commentator um but that was over in the conference hall and then league of legends was in the actual fucking arena it was the real shit you know i got to cast yeah. the semi-finals with with Vedius. Um, I met Lyric there. He was one of the coaches for for Hong I Kong. I feel like he forgot. He forgot. Like when you first met him, I don't know if he actually remembered. Didn't you have to no, remind I him? Forgot. Or... I oh, forgot. You're the when, one that forgot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So when when we first met, I said, "Oh, nice to meet you," and he was like, "We've already met," <laughs> which was funny <laughs> because we'd literally talked to each other in DMs, like leading up to meeting. Uh, <laughs> and, and basically be like hey oh, it's a long time since i am we've already had this conversation then like two yeah. weeks later or something we meet in person and that conversation's just fucking gone from my head again oh i know the um, feeling oh god which is that's basically my life in a nutshell but that's that's um, wild i mean you met you met so you met jordan you met um or, or lyric sorry i got it the other way around um yeah. about who remembered who um Vedius. Didn't you also, uh, I think you, you told me you worked with Frosk at that point as well. Like you came across a big, yep. big, big couple of names. So, so Vedius, just random note, Vedius actually worked in the UK scene with me. I was mm. one of the people that, that helped Vedius learn to cast in the first place because he was a player oh, in the nice. UK scene that transitioned into casting. Mm. So me and Vedius had already worked together in the past, which is why we ended up working together at IEM, right? Because we already kind of knew each other. Um, and then other, other talent at the event, there was... Um, the play-by-plays were me, Dracos, and Pyrotechnics. Oh, nice. Um, Excoundrel was the host. My mate Des Desichu, who now works on Rainbow Six uh, Pro League stuff, is mm-hmm. he was the like social media reporter guy. And then the colors were um, Froskerin, Papa Smithy, 
and, and Vedius, obviously. Um, and then there was also Crumbs there as a static desk analyst. Wow. Who Crumbs is a great guy, by the way. Incredible banter. I really enjoyed hanging out with Crumbs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they were all like Frostgrown, especially, was inc- incredibly nice. I hung out with Pyrotechnics a lot. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, it, it was just, it was very like, um, I don't know what the word is. It was kind of intimidating hanging out with all these people that were like already internationally famous for League of Legends. They and were. I'm like some dude that nobody's ever heard of that has like a thousand followers on Twitter or something. Like nobody knows who the fuck I am. And I'm there like trying to bravado it up like I'm a fucking hot shot, like trying to fit in. <laughs> and I clearly don't fit in. Right. And like my prep was fucking garbage because I'd never done a proper event before, really. And like, you know, the level required at those kind of events is so much higher than what's required at the UK scene. Yeah. And obviously, I'd never experienced that, so I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. And in hindsight, I did a really shit job. <laughs> like, I think I did. My commentary was fine, but like by today's standards, it was appalling. Uh, the preparation was appalling. First, the first live event, though. I mean, it's 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 so hard because I I know like first time live event as well. Like it is, it's very overwhelming too. So there's a lot of yeah. lot of emotions going through, but yeah. you still you still work. I mean, you worked with big names. Still, you, you know, a huge event for you as well. Like doing an IEM is massive. Um, yeah, and it was the last another accolade for you, right? Wasn't was this the last? The last? One, yeah. It was the last one for That's League right. of Legends. I I personally killed IEM. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was me. Yeah, it's my your bad. Phone. <laughs> yeah, I did such a bad job. They were like, we just fucking cut the whole cut, thing. Cut this game, <laughs> dude. Oh, it feels yeah, bad. It was, it, I will say, though, that mm. feeling of like... I got to cast... Um, if I'm not mistaken, I was casting... Uh, I'm pretty sure I was casting Yankos. Okay. Well, I definitely I definitely cast Yankos, but like... Um, the game that I the the semi the I think it was the semifinal I cast was like G two E Sports versus Rocks Tigers, uh, not the good Rocks Tigers, the shit Rocks Tigers that came okay. after the Rocks Tigers. Oh no! Um, and obviously Jankos is Polish. We were in Poland, and yeah. I remember just like kind of playing to the crowd a little bit and like shouting yankos's name and feeling the crowd like roaring and like you could actually feel the crowd going that was like one of the best feelings i've ever experienced and i i'm desperate to feel that feeling again i know it's been you know it's been annoying especially like i mean we'll we'll get to you coming to lpl um you, you cast a lot of big name players in that event as well i remember you talking about it but the transition is what i'm curious about right because we now we're 2017 you joined LPL 2020, 2018, 2019. I know what what was the what was the void in there before you came to LPL? And I'm actually curious about your like how you joined LPL too and how you got to I guess where where you are now. Yeah, so uh so post IEM I forget the exact timeline because I forget mm. what happened when in all of this because esl was like a very frantic time where as a like resident esl caster you do a lot of events it's really really good for i mean i don't think they do it anymore i'm pretty sure they got rid of all of their full-time 
podcasters, but um, I, th- I, I think I got lucky to be in that little tiny esports bubble that existed where they were hiring full-time casters to just mm. cast random events, right? To just cast random sure. games. And, uh, and I basically, <clears throat> I got to go around. I, I traveled a shitload. I went all over Europe just casting random shit. Wow. Um, and like going to Gamescom every single year and and going to IEM every year. I went to, I think, three IEMs in total. Uh, two of them were just casting random games. And then one of them was obviously League of Legends at the end. Um, but off the back of that, I ended up interacting with a lot of really cool games that I'd never heard of before. But one of the games that I cast while I was at ESL uh, was this game called Lawbreakers, which nobody's ever heard of. It was, it was like a huge marketed game that really flopped, um, much to my dismay because I was going to be like the front man. For it. <laughs> so basically, um, it, they they paid for a slot uh, at Gamescom where basically there was this esports stage where there was me and one of the dude and we were just commentating all of the games that had paid to be on the esports stage over the weekend. So I think we commentated like nine different games over the weekend or something <laughs> um, yeah it was it was a lot yeah trying to trying to prep for that is basically impossible because it's games you don't even know you can't even yeah. prep for the players you got to prep for like knowing the fuck what the fuck is going on in this game yeah. basically uh one of them was like a resident evil game that had pvp okay which, it was super strange. It was like a tactical shooter based in Resident Evil. Mm. One of them was Splatoon. I have cast nice. Splatoon. Um, and there was a bunch of others anyway. Yeah, there was like some Smash Bros. rip-off anime fighting game thing as well, which I was just mm. like, I have no fucking idea what's going on here. There's this dude next to me that's like from that scene that's like going crazy. And I'm like, yeah, that was sick. <laughs> that was sick. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I, I ended up casting this game called Lawbreakers. Mm. I got on really well with the devs. I went and hung out with them a bit because I wanted because the game wasn't out yet, so I couldn't prep before the event. So I went to the stall to uh, play the game a bunch so that I could commentate it better. Yeah, and so I was asking all of the devs a bunch of questions about the game to try and learn what the fuck was going on so I could commentate it well. And so I was like hanging out with the devs for a lot of that weekend. And then when when you're in downtime, it's not that many people that you know there so i would just go and hang out with those guys but then they were doing a whole like marketing circuit for this game that was coming out next year right so they were going to go and do this at other events so i got to go and do pax east with those guys and i got to go and do e3 with those guys as well which was really fucking cool so i've done a lot of the like global uh games convention circuit as a commentator which i don't it's kind of a weird yeah, I don't know how it kind of just came out pure luck, but um, but yeah, so that was really cool. But then I also ended up doing one of my last uh, big things that I did with ESL was Vainglory. So there was this random event. This was the biggest event the UK office had ever done. So mm-hmm. for context, when I joined ESL UK, I was the seventh employee. At this point in time, we're like, two-ish, two-and-a-half-ish years on from when I first joined. We've got, like, I think 35, excuse me, 35 employees or something. Wow. So the company has grown substantially in these couple of years. And all of our big events, everything big that we do is, like, ESLHQ has an event. We're going to use the UK office to run this event. And 
the UK office was basically um, figuring out the budget, taking a minuscule profit off the top of it, and then HQ was taking the vast majority of the profit, right? Right. Which is, you know, how how these kind of companies work. Um, yeah. But this one was not through HQ. This one was ESL UK's own thing. So ESL UK was taking its own profit margin. It was organizing its own budget. It was telling the dev how much it needed. All of this, like nothing from HQ. This was all us. So it was like, it was a big deal for me as a commentator because it was a big event, but it was a bigger deal for the company because Mm. it was like, this is our... This is going to be our, our crown and glory if we can nail this. If we can do sure. a good job on this, this will be like, we're on the fucking map now. We're, our, we're part of ESL, but we're still, we're like, the ESL office, this is something people don't know. The ESL offices all compete with each other, or they did. Yep. Um, so like ESL UK versus ESL France versus ESL Spain versus ESL Poland, like they're all fighting for the same gigs. Mm. And you have to be shit hot and cheap to be able to get the best gigs, which is why Poland is the only ESL office that is basically still open because they're good and they're cheap as fuck because <laughs> nothing costs anything in Poland. That's so, true. Um, cost of living is exceptionally low and as such, minimum wage is exceptionally low. So running a studio in Poland versus running the studio in the UK, uh, it's pretty dissimilar uh, cost of living, right? Yeah. So, um so ESL Poland kind of outpriced all the other ESL offices, which is why ESL kind of closed most of its offices. Uh, <laughs> they, they still run, but just as like product management centers as opposed mm. to full studios these days. Anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole here. That's all right. Um, you know, they should, they should pay me to talk, dude. I can talk. talk hey, I reckon, <laughs> I reckon you make a lot of money talking, yeah. More than 50 um, quid these days, that's for sure. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, ASL Australia is still open. That's true, but you guys have no competition. Nobody is in the same hemisphere as you. That's so. true. There's, <laughs> like, an e- there's an ESL Asia now. There's like, I, I know there's, um, <laughs> I mean, the CEO moved to, to Asia to, to run that. Hey. ASL Australia is still going. Dude, that was, it's funny, like just a tangent. It's funny that you talk about, the inception of you know like you were like part of the first the first part of esl uk when i mean i was part of esl australia before it was even esl australia it's called acl pro and there were like yeah, six people in an office yeah you that's know? the same with the esl uk so it was quota it was a marketing company oh uh, yeah that yeah. then got bought by by esl because quota did some broadcasts for esl mm. as like white label essentially and then then kind of got brought under the umbrella yeah. So exactly the same deal. I'm, I imagine that's probably true of other studios as well. Now, now we think about it. Yeah. Because I thought that was just the UK office thing, but it's probably a lot more. But um, yeah, Mac was just saying that ESL Asia picked up local commentators that lost lost some work for the people in Australia. So it is it is kind of happening. I mean, like Poland, UK, you know, Asia, Australia. Yep. I mean, Australia is like in that Oceania bubble, but I mean, Asia is separate anyway so yeah it, it kind of goes on uh sorry anyway so before i take us further off um so y- you've talked about vainglory you left your vainglory jacket in china by the way i don't know if that's coming back with my box of goods didn't you leave that that jacket you had oh no 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 no, no. i've got my my patagonia 
That that um, what a, a what the coat? Yeah, Patagonia. The, the the bubble thing that vainglory. Have you got that there? Yeah, I've got that. I've got that. Oh, okay, I've good, good. I was worried. I was like, man, that's too precious. That. That's uh, too well, precious. You left it, I think, the first time. I actually. Do you want me to grab it? Yeah, go go, go, go where grab it, it is. Because I was worried. Because in I remember the first time when we had to go back from China when when COVID hit yeah. and we all went back to our home countries. You left it there, and I'm like, dude, what if we're not coming back? I know. I was so confident we were coming back, and I don't know why. I was so fucking stupid. But we came back. Uh, we so we did. Fine. We did. It was a month later, and we did come back. And, yeah. And we were stuck there for like eight months after. You get the jacket. You get the jacket. So, I, I can get the jacket. I can get the jacket. Because it's kind of part of the story as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if anyone's shooting in, we're up to about 2018, 2019. Well, actually, I need a, I need a time from Munchables. Um, thank you, everyone. We're going to use this as a merch placement. Exclamation mark merch in Twitch. Also, note that uh, my link tree's in here as well. Selling merch. Selling Fiverr. Um, and yeah, there's a perfect time, isn't it? We need like a, a little banner that comes across the video. That just gives you the links as well. That would be nice. Um, and I'm going to use this time to drink water as well. But yeah, we're selling we're selling merch. More designs are coming as well. Things are going great. Um, right, oh, there we go. Wow. So I've got more Patagonia on. But the the important thing... Sorry, am I interrupting? Were you, no, were you no, 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 no. I'm, I'm waiting for okay. you. So the, this logo is not the important thing. These logos are the important thing. Oh. Because these were, these were custom embroidered for the event. There are yeah. only eight of these in the entire world. Wow. Um, not the Patagonias, just, just these ones with the logos on. Yeah. Because it was, um, this is the first time that Vainglory had worked with ESL as well. So it was a big deal for us. But it was also a big deal for Vainglory because they'd done all of their broadcasts in-house. They'd copied what Riot does, right? Okay. Um, and they were like, well, maybe we can work with specialists, right? And so it was like this perfect meeting of the minds where ESL mm. UK really needed to do a banger event so that they could prove themselves. And Vainglory wanted a banger event because first off, it was their, like, their big finals for the year. But second off, it was also like them testing whether or not working with a third-party company would be good for the game mm. and for the broadcast. So it was like huge amount of pressure on this event going well. And I was doing it as the desk host, not as a commentator. Oh. So I came into this event. I was playing the shit out of Vainglory all day, every day. I was like researching all the players and all of this stuff. Um, event goes on. It's a smash hit. Like there was a few tech hic tech hiccups and stuff, but generally speaking, it Always was is, massively man. successful. Yeah. Um, they were super happy with it, and at the after party for the event, so that this this coat that I got is like to celebrate that event basically, mm. and it wasn't actually for me. Um, it was basically you, you remember my roommate that i said that was talent manager at iem oh yeah well he he was the product manager for this entire event so it was a big deal for him he was like stressed out of his mind leading up to this event yeah um and he, he gave me that as like a parting gift when we left that apartment because to him it was like a, a token of i did a good job on this event 
But to me, that was like, that event was like a turning point in my career because I then went and followed Vainglory. I kind of abandoned League of Legends and Counter-Strike for a bit and followed Vainglory. Mm. Um, so he was like, you have this coat because it, it means more to you than it does to me. And like, I, I'm going to keep this coat forever. Yeah. Um, that's nice. So now what, what year, what, like, give, give us a, a, a timeline as well. Like, you followed Vainglory for how long? Because uh, two years. So, so up till what tw- is this? Twenty nineteen, up until it leads us to, or are we like just the end of twenty nineteen? Year is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's twenty twenty one now. So this would be twenty eighteen, okay, or maybe the end of twenty seventeen. Um, now and basically, yeah. Go on. I, I was going to tangent. If anyone doesn't know what Vainglory is, Vainglory is like mobile. Legal, is it mobile legal legends is that what vainglory is yeah okay yeah it was 3v3 at the time they transitioned it to being 5v5 mm. 5v5 kind of sucked so oh. <laughs> the game died oh no <laughs> uh they should have just made 5v5 a game mode instead of trying to replace 3v3 because 3v3 True. was lit um, Sound like more intimate experience yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah um, something like that so so okay uh, so 2018 now um work us through there because if you followed vainglory for a while like i know that feeling of like seeing one game and being like oh man you know like i can i can do so much with this um is it vainglory that died that made you be like all right i have to move back i have to change yeah so basically i there's there's kind of two separate moves for vainglory Mm. so there's the first one that event finishes at the after party of that event the there's this american guy that was working on the event so there's 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 two important characters here at play um both of them work for esl both of them work at the american office of esl and so this vainglory event has been like somewhat brokered with esl north america because they needed a partnership with vainglory they wanted to like build a partnership with vainglory Mm -hmm. they didn't have the staff and time to run this event so they were like hey uk office you do this event make esl look good um so in the after party, they're obviously these two guys are like sales guys for ESL, like not not like low tier sales. You know, sales in esports and sales, what you think of typically as a sales job, not the same thing. It's like business business development. Sorry, not sales. I, yeah. <laughs> sorry to any biz dev people out there. Not sales, not biz dev. Biz business dev. development. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they. Um, so they're trying to sweet talk Vainglory into signing like a two-year deal or whatever. Mm. And basically they, they're like kind of like trying to get me involved in the conversations to help sell this game to try and help sell ESL to, yeah. to thing. And one of them comes up to me, he's a guy called Sean Clark, uh, not Sean Clark, Sean Charles. Sean Clark is a different Sean who also works in the North American office. Apollo, the Starcraft two yeah. commentator, oh, by the way, legend, okay. um, really nice guy um anyway <laughs> god sorry you're, you're right um yeah so sean charles kind of sidles over to me and he goes how would you like to live in la <laughs> like what what tw- what 26 year old says no to that yeah right I'm just like a single 26-year-old. I have basically nothing tying me to the UK. He's gone, hey, this game fucking loves your hosting. 
do you want to come and live in LA for six months wow. and host this game? Which to me, he's basically saying, do you want to be the dash of Vainglory? Yeah. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to be the dash of Vainglory. Are you kidding me? Like, I'd, I'd be fucking crazy to say no to that. Wow. Um, so I went and lived in LA for, I, I think it was like eight, seven, eight months. Um, no, it must have been six months because <laughs> because visas. Um, True. So did two two splits there. And then we went to Singapore to do the world championship. So while I was in LA, I was working at the ESL North American office, which was mm -hmm. pretty cool. Met a lot of cool people there. Um, and then went to the the North America, uh, went to Singapore to do the world's finals, where they announced Vainglory 5v5. It was all very oh. exciting. It was a big marketing thing. And I was, okay. I was the desk host for world's finals in Singapore. Not only that, I was the desk host for this like, essentially keynote that they were doing of like mm. how 5v5 was going to be the best and all of this shit right um so it was it was a big deal it was a big deal and i was a big part of like helping build the run of show for all of that because they didn't really have much um experience of doing like high-end shows and i'd obviously worked on a lot of shows at this point yeah um so i'd i'd built a really good reputation with Vainglory of being not just the host, but also helping build these shows. I was working as a producer on the show. So because I was ESL oh. full time, while I was at the office, I was helping build the show for the weekend. Then on the weekend, the analysts and commentators would come in and I would give them the lowdown. So I was kind of acting as sort of a, like a, a host producer talent lead type which role which it. is very common i gotta say if anyone doesn't know like esl a lot of the time like mm. you hold what's what's I, I don't know what the terminology is but you you know you you do many jobs i don't know something about holding a, a multi-sided stick or something but yeah you know like i remember you know i was casting and just tangent you know i was also casting with esl in like 2015-2016 but i also did i also taped down a bucket load of tape. Like I did 80 hour weeks setting up OPL finals, 2015, 2016, one in yeah. Sydney, one in Brisbane, in Queensland. And then I also drove like production crew members and like some of the big wigs, like from the airport to the place yeah. as well. It's like you work with ESL, yeah, you, <laughs> you do many different jobs. There's just not hats. enough people. We gotta get shit done. That's yeah. They get a Casper. Wear many different hats. Um, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt. So, so you also you also produce and you also hosting this event. So you're doing a bucket load of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm working flat out. Uh, mm. Like just just vainglory is everything that I do. When I'm not working, I'm trying to stream vainglory and trying to build my channel a little bit. Yep. Um, and at this point, I've like, I've done a year of vainglory that's been really, really good. Like, I'm mm -hmm. earning more money than I was because the way ESL worked, which in hindsight is really brutal, uh, you would get your base salary, and then any extra gigs you got, you would get fifty percent of the rate that they charge. So ESL was making just pure profit on me doing gigs. Yeah, like literally just taking fifty percent of the rate. Yeah, uh, which they didn't really have to do fucking anything to. to <laughs> Because I was getting all of these gigs myself. It's not like most of these gigs I I had to go and get myself, and then they would just take off the rate. Uh, so they were taking an agency fee without really being much of an agency. Yep. Um, but but even with that, even with them taking half of it, 
I was still earning more because this all counted as a like essentially non UK office gig. Anything yeah. that wasn't like UK office or or ESL themselves running like esl pro leagues didn't count because that was esl running the event right mm. whereas this was a white label event which means esl is running it but nobody knows esl is running it everyone yeah. thinks it's vainglory running vainglory right and so um i was earning extra money so i was over the moon um it was i wasn't earning that much more extra money but you know <laughs> beggars can't be choosers that's right um, and anyway it had been a successful year. I go back to the UK um, and we have a bit of like an off season for Vainglory. And there is talks that next year is going to be like 5v5 only for Pro League. It's all transitioning to 5v5. 5v5 mm. is going to be the big new game mode. So I'm playing the shit out of 5v5. I do some random freelance gigs in other mobile games because mobile esports is kind of like a really small, tight bubble. So there's a ton of money and a ton of um, stuff going on in mobile esports, but there's a lot of crossover between. So I did some Clash Royale stuff, yeah. and I did some. I did an. <laughs> I went to China to do an event with uh, Excoundrel, where we did uh, Rules of Survival, which is a game nobody's ever heard of and nobody ever will hear of again. But yeah. they ran a world final two months after the game came out. I know um, because what and I've heard of that. It was, yeah. It was like 20% of the players at this event were just Vainglory players that were like, hey, a mobile game that's giving away a shitload of money. Yeah. We're good at mobile games. <laughs> Let's go take this money. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, uh, so there was like one of the Vainglory teams that played in the Vainglory 8, which is like the Pro League, mm. um, got like second place at this event or something. It just <laughs> got a paycheck. Thanks. Which is a VNX scoundrel and they're like, Let's go, Vainglory lads. Yeah. <laughs> um and it was like, I don't know, there's just these random Asian marketing companies that have no fucking idea how much things these things cost and how much mm. to pay for things. So basically, the we got given this by a friend who worked at Vainglory, and he basically said, look, they ain't got a clue about esports. Just pitch them as much as you want, and they'll haggle you down. But just go really high, because they yeah. ain't got a fucking clue. So we just like, <laughs> we pitched so ridiculously high, and then they just said yes. We were what? like, we should have gone higher. <laughs> oh god we this is free money holy shit um, it was it was mental anyway um so anyway fast mm. forward um off season's done i'm offered a job now in north america because vainglory is leaving esl uh, a guy right. called david lee who was my boss and a, and a friend of mine um he worked at esl with me he was the reason that esl had vainglory in the first place He's left ESL. He's joined a new company called ESP Gaming, which is a new production company operating out of Las Vegas. And Vainglory, the only reason oh. they were with ESL is because they trusted him. So they're going with him to this new company. Right. And he basically says, hey, I want you to still host all of the Vainglory Pro stuff. Um, you're a host and producer at ESL. I'd like you to be host and producer for ESP instead. Um, we'll get you a visa. We'll, you know, we'll fly you out and pay you to be a producer and a host um, and i was like sick that sounds fucking awesome but that was the point where it was no longer esl right so this was a this was like the second time i'm leaving the first time i was leaving to la but i was still esl and i was still contracted yeah. to the uk office i still had a flat in leicester because i was in a lease i couldn't just 
get out of my lease. I was coming back. So it was like, that was like a long holiday. Whereas this one was like, okay, I actually have to commit here. I'm leaving yeah. ESL. I will no longer do League of Legends. I will be a Vainglory commentator. This is it. This is me stepping away from League of Legends. This is me stepping away from Counter-Strike, from Hearthstone, from all these other games that I've committed a lot of time and effort into. Um, so this one was a much bigger deal. Um, and I obviously said yes. Cool. There was a lot of visa issues um, because nobody's ever heard of esports. Um and this is like 2019. So at the start, of, I was meant to move out in March of 2019. And I didn't get out there until like, I think May or June. Uh. Um, just because of back and forth with all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but eventually, I managed to get out there. The problem is, Pro League still hasn't started. And it was meant to start about two or three months prior to this. And I get out there and it's like, it's still not really happening. And there's been right. a couple of like little invitational events that they've run, but it keeps on getting postponed. And there's a lot of rumors that shit's kicking off and all of this. And so I go there and we do some random invitational events. So it's like some pros versus top solo key players and this kind of thing. And it's all yeah. like, it's fine, but it's, you know, a bit scuffed, a bit shitty. Mm. Uh, it's not it's not pro right it's it's show matches and we're kind of like like I, i'm enjoying it and i'm i'm learning a shitload because the guys i'm working with have worked at fox for years like the guy that was um like my my main sort of uh so there was two of us that were like producers yep and then there was one that was an executive producer right so this guy's called Loy, and this guy's called Mike. Yeah. Uh, so me and Mike are at a similar level, which towards the end when I was leaving, like realistically, he was far more experienced than I was as a producer. Yeah. Um, so realistically, I was more of like a secondary producer. I wasn't, I wasn't like a assistant or, or associate producer, but I was definitely. But you're, you're still to Mike. you're he still was, doing both at this time, though, right? Like you're still like hosting this invita- invitationals <clears throat> that would come through. Or, yeah. 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 And so I'm doing a lot of the producing because I'm the guy that knows the game. So yeah. basically the, the setup is we've got an exec producer who's, this guy had worked on the Super Bowl. This guy was like 20 <laughs> years of Fox Sports. This guy was like a hot shot, knows fucking yeah. everything about, about television or at least about sports television. Um, and I learned a shitload from him. Um, and I, I feel like my understanding of how and why TV is the way that TV is, like times a million during the yeah. time that I was over there. Um, and so I was working with him and, and Mike and, you know, I was working basically 24 seven because I was the only one that knew the game. And it really mattered to me that these events were successful because it mattered to me that Vainglory succeeded, right? Cause I just committed basically my life to Vainglory being successful. True. Um, so I'd moved over to Vegas. The signs weren't looking good. It's about three months into my time in Vegas and Basically, there's a big announcement that Vainglory's fucked. It's not happening. We're not doing a pro league. Um, oh no! For for whatever reason, pro league has been like indefinitely postponed. Yeah, we will return to this topic kind of situation where they're like, "Don't worry, it'll come back, but just not right now, okay?" Which is like, ah, oh, fuck. Uh, so I'm like now living in Las Vegas. Mm. I'm on a permanent contract 
like the intention was to stay in Las Vegas. Yeah. Like when I moved out there, it was not like, let's see how this goes. It was like, I'm moving to Las Vegas. I'm going to live in America now. This is, yeah. I'm going to get a green card eventually. And, you know, it, no. it was like the goal was immigration or emigration, not, um, not just the year that I spent. Yeah. But basically because Vainglory fell apart, I ended up working on a lot of random games and events, just like in every sports company, right? Um, but I slowly but surely transitioned away from doing hosting because I mean, we were just doing random games and yeah. these were big budget events as well. It was an event series called the WSOE, which if you go, it's all on YouTube and stuff. Um, we were doing some fucking expensive events and this was all being broadcast out of a poker TV studio at the Aria resort in and Las they're, Vegas. On the they're strip. really fancy. Like they, they look really good because the camera yeah, setup's always Aria, there as well. The Aria is fucking nice. Yeah. If you can get a room at the Aria, fucking go for it. Because for <laughs> me, it's, it's a real nice place. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever pay that much. But uh, yeah, it, you know, if you're into spending a lot of money on that kind of shit, go for it. Yeah, um, do it. But I was, I was working. I, so I, I actually, I'm one of the people that's had a fucking card to go through the underbowels of Las Vegas. There's a series of tunnels throughout the bottom of Las Vegas where you can right. go between the casinos and stuff for staff. Um which felt very exclusive. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that was cool. But but yeah anyway um so anyway shithop productions basically they didn't really have space for some dude that worked on Vainglory mm. that realistically in the eyes of like my boss not not Dave. So David was my boss, boss, who ultimately could decide if I had a job, etc. But Loy was my, you know, the, the line manager, I guess. Yeah. Um, and in his eyes, like this guy's worked with literally the pros on Fox Sports. So in his eyes, I have pretty much zero experience. Yeah. Um, you know, like comparatively to to people that have been working in the industry for 30 years yeah no i i really don't <laughs> nowadays <laughs> i probably do but but not back then um and so i kind of got relegated to doing a lot of producing um i actually produced i, I was the lead graphics producer on a dota event um, wow which i had to set up an entire like draft overlay and everything oh, i had shit. to set up an api system so that when a champion was locked in in draft Basically, Dota doesn't say the name of the champion. And Loy was adamant that we needed to have the names of the champions as well as the pictures in yeah. case anyone that didn't know Dota was watching. Which I tried to explain, like, if anyone that doesn't know Dota is watching, they're going to click yeah. off because you can't fucking watch Dota if you don't know <laughs> what's going on. But... Oh, it's hard but basically, league, yeah. It was like, my job was to build a graphics package not only for the Dota tournament, but then mm. also build essentially like a... A graphics package that was a bridge between yep. new viewers and dota so i built this api system for the draft well i didn't build it but i you know found people that could build an api system and begged them to work faster because uh, <laughs> it almost <laughs> didn't work um and like i had to build a whole bunch of like essentially tips and tricks pop-ups that would explain how the fucking game works and yeah. like all of the randoms there was there was a ton of random stuff and then there was like we would get the players to film in front of a green screen or whatever and do a cool pose 
so that we could be like, this was not my idea. So then when someone got an ace or whatever, or a double kill, they, their little thing would pop in and go, I don't, I don't mind <laughs> that. Let's go. Dude, if we did it was, that in it was League, really imagine cheesy. like Doombi comes up and Doombi's dancing when he gets a pentakill. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, cool. it was, it was super cheesy. It was super cheesy, but it was cool. And yeah. I, hey, I, I got it done. I got it done. That was the most important thing. Nice. It was like a really successful event for me because all of the previous events I'd done, honestly, it was like trial by fire. It was really fucking hard. I was working 24-7. And realistically, I just didn't have the experience. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was winging mm. it. And I was like scraping by, by the seat of my pants. And this Dota event, I fucking nailed it. Nice. And I was like, shit, maybe I, can, maybe I actually can do this producing stuff. But we got to the end of the year and basically there's some important context here in the story that basically Loy and I I'll give you the political way of saying this. Loy and I had some creative differences um, in in how our shows should be run. Uh, And in in a a lot of things honestly. Uh, All right. and so we get to the end of the year and we have so I don't need to give context to everything. This is my problem. I give too much context. But it's absolutely. a game. It's it's a, it's a nice timeline. Like take your time. It's all good. I'm even I thinking, feel... you know, we, we we don't have to get through it all today. I'm I'm probably going to make it into parts and bring you back on for the second sure. part. Yeah, so. I'm easy. I'm easy. Yeah. But sorry, um, go on. So basically, OGN, you know the the Korean broadcast company, is yep. opening a studio in Los in in Los Angeles. Um, oh. They, I don't know if it's still open or not. I I want to say that it closed, but I I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, but basically, their studio is not ready anywhere near as soon as they need it to be. They have a quota from the Korean office because it's essentially. It's almost like a franchise. Yeah. Uh, not quite, but like they're, they're essentially being given orders by the Korean office that they need to meet. And they have a quota of how much money they needed to earn by the end of this year. They are not earning that money because the studio is not fucking open yet. Mm. And so they make a deal with us where it's like, hey, we'll pay you to run three events in your studio in the month of December because that's the only month of this year that is going to be open. Uh, and then you give us a shitload of content to do after the new yeah. year, basically. That's the deal. So we go over there and we do this like grueling three event week or a couple of weeks or months, sorry. What am I saying? It, it was a month. Mm. Uh, and it's over December. And we do um, a Hearthstone WSOE, which WSOE was our idea of like IEM, basically. Yeah. So we run a Hearthstone event for which I am a... I'm actually a member of talent on this one. I'm doing this, like, Asus uh, control center thing where basically we have so many games going on and not enough time that we don't broadcast every game. And so between every game, they come over to me, who is watching all of the other games that are going on, <laughs> giving updates on, like, the standings and what? what cool things happen during these games. And I've got, like... We set this thing up with a bunch of Asus monitors because they were the sponsor for the second Yeah. And I had like essentially a command center where I had a bunch of monitors where I was watching all of these different games and like keeping tabs on it all, which is pretty fun to do. Um, That's that's confusing though. That's that's scary. It it was sick. It was, it was, uh, I mean, there was, it was super low stakes because ultimately it was just a sponsor segment. 
it was not like no one in the production room gave a shit really what I said because none mm. of them understood Hearthstone at all. So for the audience, I was obviously trying my best to do a good job of catching everyone up on what was going on, but my segment was 30 seconds long. Like, how much context can you really give uh, about okay. all of these different Hearthstone games in 30 That's seconds, fuck right? Like, you fucking can't. So yeah. um, it was just like a meme segment, really. But I was working talent again, which was nice. Um, but I was doing producing leading up to that. We were making um, like a cold open and like basically there was a shitload of content that we had to make for every single event we did. So there's a lot of stuff leading up to the event to, mm. to work on. So I was producing all of that stuff and then working talent for that one. And then we did a Fortnite event as well, which we were the first company to run a non Epic games Fortnite event. Um, Wow. We were the first ones to do it. Because it was at the OGN studio, we kind of had a bit of extra sway there. Mm. Um, and so I, hilariously, am one of the few people in the world that has uh, the ability to run custom games in Fortnite. Because we just needed accounts that could run games. We so just needed what, you still got that accounts. account? Or... Yeah, like... so my, my Epic account can run Fortnite custom games, which only like big YouTubers and stuff get, basically. Right. So... I've got a cool Fortnite account. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Um, and I've also got a dinosaur costume on Fortnite. No. So I, I would say the second one is probably the bigger, cool thing, really. So you're going to start Fortnite <laughs> streaming soon, obviously. Yeah. Start yeah, getting no. into that, yeah? Good. Hey, I, was, I was pretty good. I was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> until people started build, like until building became, I don't know. I don't know how, how Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I'm just good at shooting. And yeah. I was, I got okay at, I can like, I can do 90s and stuff, but I'm no... I'm no pro, no. Um, but I, I lived with a Fortnite semi-pro. I lived with oh, a yeah? guy when I was living in Vegas. My my friend that he was a Vainglory pro, he started grinding Fortnite like crazy, and he was on TSM for Vainglory. So his handle uh. said TSM Hammy, and he was streaming Fortnite. So everyone was like, "Oh, it's a TSM Fortnite player." So he got loads of viewers really quickly because oh, <laughs> he was a TSM player. And yeah. He was playing Fortnite. He just wasn't. CSM player because he was playing Fortnite. Um, so Smart, I got though. some personal coaching from a TSM player, player. playing Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> Important context, uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, yeah. So we run these three events. There's a Fortnite event, a Hearthstone event, and finally, there's a Vainglory event. And uh, this is. Well, while we didn't necessarily know it at the time, we all kind of knew it. This was the final Vainglory event, basically. Mm. Um, and I got to commentate it, which was fucking awesome. Yeah. Because I'd basically not really commentated Vainglory before, aside from a couple of random gigs, um, like random one-off events. And at that event, I finally earned or at least within reason, earned Loy's respect. Because mm. up until that point, I'd basically been like the gamer guy at the company that realistically, do we need him? He's not got that much experience producing. Like, you know, he. I'd been like struggling to keep on top of my shit for a lot of the time that I was at ESP, especially the first half of the years, that yeah. I, the first half of the year that I was there. Um, and I think, I think he'd been angling to try and get me out of the company, to be quite honest, early yeah. on. Because he, I... To be honest, he kind of resented esports. He didn't like esports. He was there because he thought it was the next big thing. Mm. Um, or at least that's my speculation. 
Um, and at that event, I did commentary for the finals and he said, you know, desk hosting, you're like a, I don't know, you're like a, you're like a Mazda, right? Pretty nice car. You can go pretty fast, but you know, it's whatever. It's not, you're not blowing anyone's socks off. Mm. Commentary, you're a fucking Ferrari. Why the fuck didn't you tell me that you can commentate like this before? And I was like, remember that this guy, basically, we've never got on. The entire yeah. time I've been at this company, I've basically got the impression that he fucking hates me. Um, and then he gives me that as a compliment. I'm like... Shit, that's genuine. Like, Shit, that's- you're right. Yeah. Why the fuck am I producing right now? And that kind of sowed the seed that then over the next sort of five months or so, I consistently thought about like, I'm I'm doing okay as a producer. And at this point, I'm actually, I felt like I was getting pretty good. Like I felt like I sort of finally got the hang of it. I knew the workflow. Mm. I knew how it all worked. I knew how to talk to people to get them to, to help you out. And like, yeah. you know, I, I was ticking the boxes. I'd made friends with all the graphics people that I needed to get on side. I'd made friends with everyone that I needed, like, there's a lot of like people management in in producing and i felt like i'd finally got all of that down and the problem was like even though i was finally getting good at it it felt like once i did that dota event and succeeded there that was the last event i did because Mm. it was like i've done it i've got it we've i've cracked this now like yeah i could i could probably continue producing i could probably make a career out of producing but actually this is not what i want to do this is not why i'm here i came here to be the host right vainglory's fucking dead yeah and i got a little taste of that commentary again at that vainglory final and i was like fuck man i've got to like how many people in the world get to say that they can chase the dream of commentating full-time in esports not many like fucking barely anyone yeah like zero 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 point one percent of the world's population or something right so mm. i was like i i'd be a fucking idiot not to at least try that so that was the moment where i was like all right fuck this i'm going back home i'm gonna go and try it on for freelance right so so, then, so freelance that was yeah america yeah so america finishes there you've you've lived in la you've gone back and then you lived in in um uh fucking las vegas even been through the underground tunnels, um, <laughs> just, you know. I, I mean, I don't know Las Vegas, but hell, hell, that's fucking exclusive. More exclusive than than the Aria. Um, and then, <laughs> and then you come back home. And now, how many months between this and like your LPL interview? Because I know for a fact that um, I'm pretty sure they're in contact with you later in in 2019. Um, at that time in 2019, it was just me, Clement, Raz. Uh, we had Niberia, who uh, his voice cut out, yeah. so he was essentially like there, but not there, unfortunately. Um, and then uh, Ashin or Penguin came on board for like the last five, six weeks of LPL Summer 2019. So like he did a little bit. Um, what what's the time gap here? How many months between you coming back? And start to freelance and be yeah. like, I want to commentate to then, you know, going for an LPL interview or, or however that came about. So miraculously, it was only six months, uh. um, which, you know, optimistically, I could say that's just how fucking good I am. 
but realistically <laughs> that was that was very lucky and uh, very circumstantial um basically I, I came back and i managed to get a few gigs very early on just because i worked at esl before right so i was still mm. friends with all those guys that was still an office that was operating regularly so i got some good work there i actually casted uh magic the gathering arena really them, which is really cool because wow. uh, i've done a lot of hearthstone stuff i've played magic mm. casually over the years so that, that was really fun to do um but i just did a bunch of random gigs basically um and then it was i forget exactly the timeline on how i got into lpl i think it was um so fun plus esports mm. not to be confused with fun plus phoenix same company but they they essentially have a production company or at least did i don't know if they still do i think they still do though uh, i'm pretty um, sure they still do basically they were looking for a commentator mm. and i got so one of the guys there uh used to work in clash royale and so i knew him through mobile esports like i said mobile esports very small world um and he messaged me like hey you should apply for this Hey, also, by the way, uh, I think LPL are looking for commentators as well. So uh, I know you're a league commentator. You should reach out to Clement Chu. Is this, and is this, sorry to interject, is this, is this, um, is this Opal? You're not talking about Opal. No, because I know Fun no, Plus at the time, Fun Plus at the time, I know like at some point, I think, I, I think, I'm not actually, I think Fish was working with them who used to do LPL. Opal was there as well. Um, I'm not sure. So, so I think, mm. so I think Opal got the job that he'd originally been talking about to me. So right. I think that was when Opal joined FPX, if I'm not mistaken. But I, yeah, I, I don't know. Somewhere around the there. I remember 2019 that exactly. the, the, there was a career. Yeah, there, anyway. Yeah. yeah. So that, that I basically, I'd got asked about that. And then also asked about, basically he said, Hey, uh, if this doesn't work out, which, you know, who, who knows, Mm. Uh, you should message Clement and ask about LPL because apparently they're hiring. So I can't remember how or why Clement already followed me on Twitter and I already followed him. I think sure. he'd done like interviews at LPL, uh, IEM or something. I don't think I'd ever actually met him, mm. but I don't know. Maybe he'd see me at IEM or something. Either way, luckily for me, I can DM Clement. That's the key thing here. Yeah. Not I'm not just bragging that Clement follows me. Hey, Clement follows hey, me. Clement follows um, you. But, but I could DM him. That's the crucial thing. So I, I DM him on Twitter and I was like, hey man, you know, I'm a freelance commentator. I've been working in league for, I don't know, what is it? Five years at this point. Mm. Um, let me try it for the LPL kind of thing. So we go through an interview process and he asks me like, Who's my who's my favorite player in the LPL that's not on FPX? Because this is just after Worlds is finished. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a, I'm gonna be real with you, bro. I don't fucking know. I don't really watch yeah. the LPL. I, like, I didn't have time which, to, which context, to watch a shitload of LPL. I'm <laughs> listening to all these interviews. Like, I, I'm in office, and I remember, like, I wasn't like there listening to the interviews. Like, Clement was doing them. Um, I think Raz as well was like sometimes overseeing them. But I was getting the feedback. And like, you know, for anyone out there wondering if you bullshit through an interview, like, and people find out they fucking hate that. And not even if they don't find out, if you try and act like you know something and you don't, 
like they hate that and Clement yeah. was like you know he was honest he just said he didn't like you know he, he didn't watch lpls like that honesty is better than trying to be like you know i like fucking jay from Vici gaming because he's such a good mid laner where it's like uh, he's actually a trash bag and you, you don't watch it you just look at <laughs> Wikipedia. yeah don't lie don't lie 100 percent. but god so you told Clement yeah. the truth and i'm sure he somewhat appreciated that well i know he did yeah i think so and basically, basically, we talked about my actual experience, right? The mm. fact that I'd done a lot of producing, the fact that I'd done a lot of League of Legends commentary, the fact that I'd already cast International League as well, yeah. I think was helpful. Um, and then for the next interview, I actually had watched a bit of LPL and I'd done a bit of research, right? And I basically pitched an idea of how I was going to... Basically, the big question in that one was like, how are you going to keep up with this league? There are 17 teams. Like, how are you going to stay on top of this? How are you mm. going to get to know all of the teams before the season starts, et cetera? And that was the big the big question for me. And I basically uh, explained how I was going to keep on top of it all. And that's basically how I got the job. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah, I mean, other than that, it was, you know, it's an interview process. There's not that much, <laughs> there's not True. that much frills to it, but. But yeah, so then he offered me a job and I was like, fuck yeah. Take me to the LPL, baby. Hell yeah. And that was... Blew away to China. I know. Uh, and, and at that point, I mean, you've already like... Because when was the starting point we started this story? Was it 2015? Do we start all the way back at 2015? Or was it before that? Because that's... Yeah, so I think technically mm. 2014 was when I first started doing like voluntary and stuff. Yeah. And then 2015 was my first ever like gig gig. Which is, is crazy, right? Like, I mean, we, we both started the same year, essentially. I mean, I started 2015. I, that's when I first, yeah, got my, I got Challenger Series, which was my first ever cast. I was lucky to get thrown as yeah. well into paid paid work. And it was League of Legends. But the I think that the biggest thing is you've progressed in, let's say, seven years. Let's say like seven years worth of work and leading up to this point where it's, it's a full-time casting role. It's not like, you know, you don't have multiple hats like you would at ESL, which is not, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think you learn a lot from that, but you've progressed to the point where you're not, you know. I can specialize now. You can specialize. Great. Yes. Great, great word. You can specialize and what you're here to do is like cast and you're getting paid, you know, a salary for just casting, you know, and, and like look, we can say, you know, content on the side and all that kind of stuff but you are getting the salary to be there to be an LPL caster and like do what you do best, which I think is kind of an amazing story because it's taken seven years. It's taken you living in, you know, in Los Angeles, in Vegas, jumping back and forth from the UK. You've been to China before for an event, um, which ROS rules of survival, something that FPX actually also did. I think in 2019, they were still doing it um that's why i know the name of it which is quite interesting you've been all over europe because of your work as well i i think it's just kind of amazing to look at your career and see like all the all the tracks you've built all the connections you've built up as well because that's another thing right you obviously have really good relations with uh good relationships with people from esl like people all across the world because you've because you've done all those events for them because you've helped them out because, you know, you, you, you had that time where you specialized in fame glory and, you know, you kind of showed your expertise uh, across that game and, and other games too, right? Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I Like, honestly, it has been a 
long and winding journey. Um, And, you know, at the start, if you'd asked me, do I want to spend seven years before I get on a major region in League of Legends? I would have absolutely told you no. (laughs) But... But I think I am a much better person for the job because of the seven years that I spent mm. going through all of these different roles in esports and doing all this random shit. Yeah. To, like the goal was to survive within esports for a lot of it, right? The, Which can the be hard. ultimate goal was like become the best commentator to ever live. Yeah. But like the the realistic goal was like have a job in esports for another year for a lot of this. So progressing in that was fucking awesome being able mm. to progress in that the fact that esports continued to exist was fucking awesome because like five years ago there was a lot of talk that this was all just a bubble that was about to collapse right still is some of that talk um so like every every year of this was already like an achievement in my eyes and mm. the fact that it's been able to progress to this point and i've been able to turn it into not just doing whatever I need to do to do esports, but instead actually having a career that I'm proud of and that I'm excited to pursue is is fucking amazing. So yeah. I mean you're you're in one it's of been the been a biggest... turbulent journey, but but I'm happy with it. And you've ended up in one of the biggest esports I mean the biggest esport, right? I, I mean you could argue like I know yeah. CSGO is still huge. Um I know Valorant's growing at a pretty pretty fast pace as well. Um and in the best region too, get fucked down one. Yeah, all right. Well the two teams are gonna knock them knock each other out. I mean, you know, we're only gonna have one yeah. into the semifinals, oh, but at least we have a region of the semifinals. And then we lose to Cloud9. Um <laughs> but coming back to it like because I, I think for this episode and and you know i, I do like that we've kind of ex- expanded on on your past and like who you are as a caster as well um i want to do another part with you down the track just looking maybe more at the role and like you know from your experience so we will do this in parts which i haven't done before which is kind of exciting um i want to stay more on you for this for this episode though and i want to look more sure. at like your takeaways from the games you've casted and how it influences League of Legends because with the multiple titles... Do you know how many titles you've casted? Like, do you have a list? Do you, do you have a number for me? Uh, of, like, just random games that I've commentated? Different I, games. It doesn't matter if it's a one-off, like, games that you've commentated because I know you. You're a prepper. You are, like, your casting style, like, your 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 prep, yeah. I think, has has hit, like, such a such a great point. So give me give me a number of titles because they they've got to influence you in some way. Uh so I don't have a I've not written it all down. I don't have a definitive list, but there is a lot. Um because all of these different games comms I did each had like 14 games. Um I do you know, hey, random tangent that yeah. is it is relevant. It is relevant. Um That's all right. I cast Arena of Valor where Cyanide and Yellow Star were playing. Wow. That's pretty fucking cool. That's cool. Um, just you get a yeah, lot of cool moments like that. That's the whole in. story. That's the whole story. Uh, <laughs> there you. are more stories from that event, but not ones that I want to tell on the internet. Oh. Um, that's that's a story we can have. That we can have that chat over a pint. Um, True. Maybe bevies one day. Get yellow star. Uh, get yellow star. But, bevies but again, with the boys. <laughs> again, not a story I want to tell on the internet. So. different show doesn't really necessarily help that one all right that's Um, true but yeah so i've cast league of legends obviously Mm -hmm. cast arena of valor i've cast vainglory those are the three mobas i've done i guess um i've cast guild wars 2 Mm. 
Counter Strike, uh, Battlefield Four, okay, um, Rocket League, Hearthstone, nice. Magic: The Gathering Arena. Uh, I cast Lawbreakers. I cast Splatoon. <laughs> um, I've cast. There was some anime fighting game that I can't for the life of me remember the name of because uh, <laughs> it was fucking shit. Yeah. Um, there, like, there's a good eight or so games that I've commentated at Gamescom or whatever that yeah. ceased to exist immediately in my mind. And I will never remember the names of, but there's like a, a bonus selection there of like shit yeah. games, basically. Um, Rainbow Six Siege, I was one of the first ever commentators on. True. Um, what else have I commentated? Clash Royale, I've commentated. Uh, that might be it. We're into I mean, the... I don't think it is it, but my memory is fucking garbage. I mean, so. we're past, let's just say 15 plus, right? Because it's it's a lot. I mean, plus I would say, all the multiple I would say it's minimum 20. Minimum okay. 20. I, I, would, I would, if I had to stab in the dark, I would say it's probably like 27 or something like that. Do you feel... It's a lot. Do, do you feel like you've taken anything away from those games that's like influenced you now as a caster? Because I'll give you an example. I mean, I used to do Gfinity Rocket League uh, when they came to Australia. They only spent a year in Australia and then they kind of went bust. Um, I did Gfinity. It's just in like a- in the UK, but they got investors. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, got them. We don't have enough. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so UK represent. Get fucked, Gfinity. Oh, I take that back. Gfinity, if you've got any gigs going, I'm a freelancer. Oh, uh, no. Hit me up. My email's in my Twitter bio. <laughs> Gfinity were great. Um, I I did that for a year. I did it, you know, there was in a Hoyt cinema. In a, I don't know if you have, do you have Hoyt's in the UK? Is that a thing? I don't know if it's a global thing. Hoyt's is no. like, you know, it's a cinema chain, at least in Australia. I don't know how far it goes. Okay. We're in there, like the arena was set up. They had three different games. They had CSGO, they had Street Fighter, and they had Rocket League. And it was broadcast to a sports TV channel in Australia, as well as on Twitch. From Rocket League, like it's a very different pace to to league of legends i know you cast rocket league and it's like yeah. it is i'd say at times it can be more fun like it's it's more powerful like you got to keep on your toes a little bit as well um it's a very different pace and i feel like i took i took away like the power of dead air and build up and like i took a lot of technical things away from that and i applied it to league of legends and i think it actually made me a stronger play-by-play as well so with that example like is there anything that you've taken away from any any game you've casted that you feel like you employ well in League of Legends or has like helped you get to this point in your you know career as a caster? Uh yeah, definitely. So um a game I forgot to mention before is I cast a lot of Overwatch when that first came out. Oh. I cast a lot in the beta and I I cast a lot I cast basically all of the UK Overwatch shit that was going on right. uh, until Overwatch were like, hey, DMCA, anyone that wants to build a community in our game. Haha. <laughs> um great strategy blizzard um (laughs) so i I think overwatch i took a lot from because Mm. stylistically it's relatively similar to league of legends in some ways so when you're casting overwatch it's faster pace than league of legends and you uh, well unless you're in lpl there's there's fights more often than there is in League of Legends. Yeah, like the fights are longer and more sort of consistent in Overwatch. Yeah, but at the higher tiers, it's like six v six break, six v six break, six v six break. 
just like League of Legends, is five v five break five in the late game, right? Um, so there was a lot of like learning how to change pacing to transition from League of Legends into Overwatch, which obviously in the short term helped me cast Overwatch, but in the long term helped me understand how pacing works and mm-hmm. why different pacing applies to different games, right? And so I also cast Hearthstone, which is the total opposite end of that scale, right? Where yeah. it is very low key. And you do have to inject energy because otherwise the game is really boring. If the commentators are boring in Hearthstone, it's miserable. Yeah. So Hearthstone, you really have to bring out your own personality and try and be funny, try and crack some jokes and like have fun with it. Because a lot of the matchups, a lot of the time in Hearthstone, the meta is pretty set. And most of the viewers are kind of hardcore Hearthstone viewers. So you're appealing to a hardcore audience. You have to know the decks really well and you have to know the matchup really well because all of the audience does too. Which means, like, talking about the basics of interactions isn't particularly good for Hearthstone. Mm. So you then have to dig deeper than that. You have to talk, like, you have to podcast it and converse with your with your commentator and, like, obviously keep up with the game, but especially in a control matchup, the early game, like if you've got two control warriors, you don't say anything about the game for like the first eight turns because they yeah. just don't fucking matter. Like yeah. most of the time they're just burning cards. They they'll they'll pick the card that is least valuable in their hand and they'll burn it just so that they don't mulligan an important card. They're mm. not mulligan, um mill an important card. Yeah. So I had to learn how to kind of podcast with Hearthstone, like you say, Rocket League, butch faster pace. Things like Battlefield as well is just constant shooting every second of that game is shooting. So yeah. that was like really, really high pace. Um, Keeping action up. I think one of the biggest things I learned though from just doing events and just being around different developers, being around different audiences and things is that people just love hype. Like most people are not listening to what you are saying. But when the shit goes down and you go, ah, exciting. Yeah. They go, wow, this guy's really good. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I learned while being freelancer and while working at ESL trying to get gigs was, hey, when shit happens, fucking yell about it. Because yeah. people like that. And that's one of the things that Medic was always way better than me at in the UK scene, which is why he progressed so much faster than I did in the UK scene, because he was real fucking good at yelling. I just did not cotton on to that. I don't know how it took me so many years to cotton on to that. Uh, but turns out, Hype is kind of important for a play by play caster. Sure. Who could have seen this coming? <laughs> no Who could one. have possibly known this? <laughs> no one. Um, but yeah, so so ultimately, I think like pacing is one of the most important lessons I learned from mm. other games. And I guess just learning that you have to be a personality outside of just commentating the game. Because yeah. especially when you're casting games that you don't know super well, you can't lean on your game knowledge. Like in League of Legends, I can just exclusively talk about the game for the entire thing if I want to. I'm not going to do that because it's boring. But like in the UK scene, I did do that because I could. And that's how that's how I viewed the game. And that's how I viewed what they were doing in LCS at the time, Mm. which wasn't the case, but that's how I viewed it. And that doesn't work when you don't know the game. So I had to learn to actually be more than just default commentator a you know yeah to learn how to develop a personality and i think that's one of the most valuable things you can do as as on-air talent 
And I mean, I think, I think like knowing from, you know, working with you now for two years, like seeing you for the start of 2020, when you came in where, you know, you, like, I'm not saying you didn't have a personality, but to now where you can see like, you're more comfortable in your own skin. You're more comfortable in that personality. Doing one game as well has obviously helped where we're, we're looking at League of Legends, especially in LPL. I mean, I, I was I was DMing Medic about this the other day and having a chat about it. Like, you know, it, it was really hard to do anything else because we're doing seven days a week of League of Legends. And sure, like we take a day off here or there, but we still ultimately come back to those games of League and, and look at them because we end up casting the teams that were, were playing them. Um, and I feel like that's also made it a lot easier for us to be like, you know, like work on, on different things, like, you know, like the, the personality trait or come back to the game knowledge. Cause you are, you are very comfortable with game knowledge. And I think as a play by play, it's, it's great when I contrast myself to you and when you and I do development sessions, cause uh, I mean, you know, you and I had a big chat towards the end of the split where heading towards playoffs, we, you know, had our VOD sessions and the feedback is really different, which I love. Like, you know, me talking a lot more about hype and, you know, how you approach your energy and then you talking to me about like injecting narrative, how I'm in the downtime as well. Um, I think that's, you know, a really great part about you, which is like your casting is very different to mine and, and vice versa. Um, but you as a caster right now, I think is, is like great with the downtime. That's why everyone loves daggables, dunchables. What do we end up calling it? <laughs> I think it's daggables, yeah. <laughs> daggables. I liked dunchables, but people thought it sounded a little bit dirty. Um, so I don't, know, I don't know what I don't quite know why or how, but it does. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know what Dunch is, but it sounds like a pretty off. I don't want to know what Dunch is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've you've expanded on your interests a little bit. You you've told me about the games you cast and like how that's influenced you, and uh, you know, really really important that you know you have talked about things like pacing as well. I think really good for up and coming play by plays. Um, and what you've kind of shown today is that you've consistently looked for your foot in the door. Um, I wanted to come back to something you said earlier in your story as well, just as we get towards out, rounding out the show. Sure. Um, were you doing any real-time work? Like, sorry, real-time work. Were you doing anything like in the real world, quote unquote, like while you were trying to get up and casting, did you say real estate? Did I hear you correctly? Were you working in real estate? Yeah, so I was an estate agent for a year, which was fucking miserable. Yeah. Uh, I would not recommend that to anyone. It is soul crushing. <laughs> Honestly, uh, that is the most depressed I've ever been in my life. Um, mm. I One day, I just didn't go to work until yeah. like midday. And then I turned up and I was meant to be like measuring a house for a floor plan or something that morning and i basically used that as an excuse just to not go into the office yeah and then i turned up and i was late obviously and i hadn't done the floor plan and my boss just started shouting at me and i just threw my shit on the table i was like i quit fuck you i wow. just walked out <laughs> and uh i so i'd i'd been work i'd gone to subway every day for lunch i'm a creature of habit I like a ham sandwich. Subway does yep. good ham sandwiches. There was one around the corner. So Fair I just enough. went to the same Subway every single day for lunch and had the same ham sandwich every single day for lunch. And so I got friendly with all the staff at Subway because you're there every day, right? And I literally just walked from the estate agents across the road to the Subway and I was like, hey guys, how's it going? 
They're like, oh, you're here really? I was like, yeah. <laughs> you got any god? You got any? Uh, you got any jobs going? <laughs> they were like, uh, I mean, we're Subway, so yeah, always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I just got a job at the Subway instead because I could just make sandwiches and just chat to people, just chill out. But also, it was a zero-hour contract. That's the magical ingredient. Yeah. Because with a zero-hour contract, you can just say no to shifts. And if you're good at your job, you're one of the 1% at Subway that gives a fuck. Yeah. So... They're never going to not give you shifts if you actually try. Yeah. Because nobody else tries. The 1%. So, How dare you make seriously. fun of Subway artists? <laughs> I, I'm telling you, like, if you just work hard at Subway, it's essentially like free unlimited holiday if you want it. Because mm. they won't, unless you really abuse that, like, they won't stop giving you shifts because you're one of the few people that actually does the job well, right? So, yeah. Um, so I went and worked at Subway, zero hour contract. So I could say, hey, this weekend I'm doing a freelance app. So it was uh, fucking perfect. It was like low stress. I could take weekends off to do freelance work. And so I worked at Subway for like, I actually have no idea how long I worked at Subway. But it was just at least like six months or so. Uh, and that was, and a, that was then, a balance for you. Then I got was the it? job at ESL. That was a balance while you were doing your freelance gigs and like obviously then... Yeah you weren't getting paid or like you're getting paid small amounts here and there where subway was just keeping you steady right yeah exactly <laughs> i uh i i am actually gonna take that title medora medora's put in chat joe subway subway's one percent fatty good casting name you, you have problem with uh copyright but you know <laughs> trademark sorry <laughs> But, uh, worth I'll just try. I'll just buy a buy a franchise branch and then I can use the brand. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Because when you were when you were in real estate, were you doing events like here and there still, or was it just yeah, a real? So off? so I I was trying to I was trying to yeah, and then basically one event, my boss basically said no, you can't, and uh, there was not really the problem was it's not like we were busy, yeah. There was no reason for me not to do this event, not to have the weekend off, right? Mm. I worked all the fucking time. I was the only one that worked all the time as well. Everyone else was like in and out of the office and like having holidays and shit. I never took holiday or anything because I didn't have anything going on. And like, which is why I was so miserable realistically. But of course, I asked for this weekend off to do an event and he said no to it, which was what that was like two weeks before I quit or like yeah. a week before I quit or something, which I was just like, why am I fucking here? Yeah. You're just going to be an asshole. You're like literally stopping me from chasing my dream while just being a dick to me in the day. Fuck you, bro. Like seriously, yeah. just go fuck yourself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so I left that. But I was trying to do freelance on the side while I was there, which is what was so appealing about Subway because yeah. it was like, I, I respect no, I the, I respect the quit. I respect the quit, like you throwing things down and walking across the street to the subway you've always gone and being like, do you have work? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think that was, that was maybe the most alpha day I've ever had. Oh, oh, absolutely. That's like, that's such an empowering moment. And I, I feel like, you know, the, the takeaway from it for me, at least, I'm not sure about everyone else, is that, you know, you were like, well, this doesn't work for me. And you kind of like took a step in the direction you wanted to go. And that enabled you to be where you are today because that was like a good stepping stone for you as well. Uh, but you didn't 
I, I do, I, and I think this is really important as well. A lot of people see like getting into casting or like, you know, or following any dream is you quit everything else before you have anything set up and you run straight into it. Well, you quit your job, you moved to Subway. You were still getting income. You were still supporting yourself, but you also yeah. had the possibilities to go and, you know, chase events and then eventually lead up. And then when did you actually quit any work outside of esports? Like when were you only esports income based? I think is a good follow-up question. It was when I when I got my job at ESL. Okay. So, so when up, I never before ESL, I was never like full-time freelance. Yeah. I earned a little bit of money on freelance, but it was like, I mean, it was UK scene, man. Like mm. you earn fuck all from, from doing UK scenes. So yeah. yeah. Realistically, nowadays maybe you can earn a living. I don't know. Um, but I mean, medic in chat can attest. You cannot earn a substantial living from UK scene freelance in 2015. Right. It's not possible. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I had to have a job alongside it until I until I actually got that job at, um, at I nearly said it somewhere at ESL. <laughs> at ESL, um, which is smart. Yes. I mean, I, I think you you know you didn't yeah you didn't jump fully into it, which like I think. Uh, effort wise is, is still fine but if you if you don't have a backup if you don't have finances like don't leave yourself out and don't leave yourself out in a bad position um yeah 75 dollars also right. on on that note like it takes a lot of time until you're getting gigs consistently enough to That's even right. if you like let's say you're getting 500 quid a day right just because you got one event that paid you 500 quid a day does not mean your next three events are going to pay you 500 quid a day. That's like right. just cause you say, I want you to pay me 500 quid a day does not mean that company is going to pay you 500 quid a day. They're going to come back to you and go, well, our budget is 150 quid. So take it or leave it. Yeah. And what choice do you really have? That's right. Because they're not going to increase their pay because they literally don't have the budget. And unless you just don't want to earn money, you're taking that gig. So, uh, I would I would err on the side of caution, have a part-time job at very least while you're trying to build your career in esports because it takes a long time to have enough different companies that want to work with you for it yeah. to be consistent enough that this is a easy full-time gig, you know? I mean, I, I was 2015, I got my first gig, right? And then I kept trying to build up and I did ESL events. I did OPL finals 2015, 2016 on the production side. I literally went to Ikea to buy heaters for pastry times legs. Um because <laughs> they put them under the table literally like there, there was like a desk and i had to put heaters under the table i think claire was there who, who's i'm um, pretty sure he went to worlds the year before last um and then yeah, i think another player was up there as well like a swiper or a swiffer or a big oc star um on an analyst desk did that for like did that back end but i was still working at a restaurant i was still working at my Isn't family Australia restaurant really hot well, it can be cold. No, at Buddha Park, it was the middle of the year. It was like June. It was like split one because we don't have summer and uh, we don't have, sorry, we don't have... Uh, you have opposite well, summer and winter. Spring right? and summer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we don't have those splits. Uh, we literally have split one and split two and they still follow that with LCO. And okay. I was working at a restaurant up until 2017. That's when I built up enough connections and I'm like, I'm going to try freelance in 2018. But I always had somewhere to fall back on. Like my eggs weren't all in that basket. So, I, I mean, I completely understand, like, having that balance until if you make the leap, uh, make sure you can always come back as well, but do it when you, you're in a very comfortable position. Um, and it's important, sure. important as well, like, looking at your story, because I think 
you've got a lot of experience mixed around. Um, I, I got a couple more questions before we round out. I know for you it's like midnight now, so we won't go too much. Dude, further. it's good. Honestly, we're not in a. I'm not in a. I'm not in a rush. So well, good, good, because I'll like, expand the questions a little bit. Um, before we start talking about your future and what's going on, um, have you thought about like your your production experience? I think something important and it's something I've noticed. Obviously, I'm not going to divulge anything like story meetings, anything that happens internally at LPL. But you've always had a really good mindset as to how the show looks, how, you know, broadcast will look with this. I think your assets, and, and I know a lot of our audience here will understand as well, if you've ever watched an A block, which is start of show of LPL, if Munchables is on it, you'll see a lot of innovative graphics. You'll see a lot of fun graphics as well to, to the limit of what our team can make. Um, a lot of stupid shit as well. <laughs> a lot of, I'd say fun <laughs> shit. I would say fun shit. Um, there was a lot of dick jokes in the first split. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, that was subtle. When PP got Sam D with dicking everyone down in the bottom yep. lane. I'm not going to lie. We, we, uh, that was we hard. went a little ham on that. That was hard not to. We went a little know, too ham on right. that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, your, your, your production influence, like, do, do you feel like it's had a big, a big effect on like how you are setting up setting up your cast like do you constantly think about what the broadcast mm. looks like even when you're casting or or doing some of these a blocks yeah so it, it depends so the, the thing about the thing that nobody gets about uh what a producer is until you've done some producing yourself is mm. that producer is the most vague title maybe of any job ever it is um producer literally is just you just need to get everything done. Whatever needs doing for this broadcast to happen is part of your job. Mm. Whether whether doing it directly or getting someone to do it or like, you know, hiring freelancers or cleaning the stage or dealing with the fact that the food orders come in and there's no vegan option for this member of talent who's having a fucking hissy fit now uh, or fucking... You, you need to organize an area for people to have a cigarette break or yeah. you need to fucking there's a million and one different things that you need to do as a producer. So the, honestly, for me, the biggest thing I took away from producing is not even broadcast related. It's just being on top of shit yeah. is a skill that is not appreciated anywhere near enough. It's one of my favorite things in anyone. Like when I'm looking at colleagues, the thing that I value the most in any of my colleagues is that when shit is going on, they don't become like a deer in headlights and panic. They just get mm. shit done. They just crack yeah. on. They just get through it because at the end of the day, we've got a fucking show to run. Yeah. And the most important thing is the show. That is like my my mantra has always been that like the, I, I have two mantras. The show is the most important thing. Like no matter what else is going on, the show is why we're all here. Like yeah. none of us are bigger than the show. And And the second mantra is people follow players, not sports, but that's a different story um so for yeah so getting shit done is the, the biggest the biggest thing that i took away um but also from while i'm not even just while i'm commentating but while i'm on the show i try and think so i i, I produced a couple of PUBG shows yeah where i was the sole producer of these ones so we had um like, obviously, I talked about the Dota event and stuff. That was a big production room with, like, 20 staff in it. So I was just a cog. 
I was I was in charge of all the graphics, but I was not like the leader of the show or anything. I was still following orders. In this PUBG show, I was actually calling all of the shots. It was my show. And I had to answer to my boss ultimately, but I made all the decisions on what the graphics were going to look like. I made all the decisions on what the A block was going to be. I made all the mm. decisions on how we were going to run the show, whether there was going to be B-roll, whether there was going to be replays. Any decision like that was down to me. I had a budget. I've hired my own staff, everything. And so I would be sat there. I've meticulously planned this show all week long. We get there on the weekend. I'm obviously not commentating because I have to run the broadcast. And my talent are there. And I've told them, here's the things I really want you to talk about. And they've got their own storylines. We talk a little bit about like what we all want to discuss, blah, blah, yeah. blah. We get onto the show. They don't talk about the thing that I want them to talk about. Or they don't set it up the way that I want them to set it up. They're not they're not putting their heart and soul into it. They're not like... And, and this isn't against the talent I was using, to clarify. This is not anything about them. It's like you suddenly realize that the way that a producer looks at the show is like they have a very clear vision and goal of how this show is going to happen before it's happened. Yeah, And so anything the talent does is inevitably at least slightly different to the original like vision that they had of how the show is going to run. Right. So what I discovered while producing was like, fuck, it's really fucking difficult to put across what you want this to be like, like True. it's almost impossible to like really put that across and, and get that exact vision into, into the talent that you have on the show's minds. And so while I'm, being talent, especially in A blocks and stuff when you're actually on camera, I'm always conscious of like, if I was producing this segment, which which we do self-produce our segments, we, let's we be do honest. Self-produce, yeah. I, it's like I'm acting. It's like there's a script. It's not not to the point where every word is planned, but to the point mm. where I know the beats of this story that I'm telling and I know which parts need to be emphatic. I know which parts need to be exciting. I know which parts need to be sad. Like I'm almost Playing a character is too strong, but like there is a story to be told here and it needs a storyteller that's going to give this give this story the the emphasis that it needs. Mm. And so there's like a level of like performance there that's required, especially in A blocks. Yeah. And like during commentary, I don't think it's quite the same because it's kind of more free flowing depending on the game. And so you'll kind of just have uh, like stats that you want to bring up and narrative points that you want to bring up and find ways to weave those in. But especially with the on-desk segments, I think there's really an art to that. And I think working as a producer for a long time really helped me kind of acknowledge that that is an art and a, and a, a craft that can be built up a lot over time. I think one of the best people to look at is Froskarian for this, actually, because I think that when That's you true. look at Froskarian from five years ago versus modern Froskarian, like her every single time you listen to her make a point on a desk like she fucking sells that point and there's yeah. a fucking talent to that there's there's not many in my opinion there's not enough analysts that really know how to fucking sell a point and get you hooked on that point you know so um i think that's a really valuable talent that that a lot of analysts around the world could do better at i i remember i mean i remember just context and frosker and when we, when we worked together in spring in playoffs and it was spring playoffs yeah and she came on board and like you know I, I set up the segment a lot of the time when you when you have guests come in as casters 
you know, you're going to be setting up the majority of the segment because you're the resident LPL caster. With your play-by-play or analyst, like, you're the person that, you know, has has obviously going to be watching more of the league, but also is the person who is employed by that product. But I remember coming on and being like, hey, uh, showing her the, the run of show as well. And then she came back and said, that's cool. Happy to work with whatever. Here's a couple of suggestions or whatever, how it would flow better. And I remember that feedback being like, actually, yeah, that's really nice. And she had a really good set out of like how to tell that story you talk about and you're right she um uh, shout out to frosk and, and how she does those those a blocks um because it was absolutely and like brilliant. acknowledging the actual emotion that you're trying to tap into right yeah rather than just saying the stats and saying the talking points how like you acknowledging this is the, the story that we're telling this yeah. is what we're trying to get across to the audience and like once you actually acknowledge that and accept that there is a a goal more than just saying this player is good, right? Yeah. Once you realize that this is actually, uh, you're trying to make the audience empathetic to this player. That's right. Is really the goal of a lot of these. They, they, I mean, so we want them to launch that and take it from that mindset. Then it, it gets a lot easier to do a better job. I think. We, we want them to latch on. I mean, that's the goal. Like a block is, you know, give them a story to latch onto, right? Whether it is a player, whether it's a team, like what, you know, where it's, you're right. Like we're selling a product essentially. And the product is the team. The product is the player. Um, I, I think your value of, of you know production in the past, and I know it is a, a wide role, but at least you looking over so many different elements of broadcast have made you not only empathetic to you know production team, um, even like product owners, right, but also to all the little irritable parts, all the things that can go wrong in a broadcast, and you understanding like how best to deal with them or how to proceed. Um, your, your insight, I think, is one of the most valuable things. And I think it is what makes your A block so good because you look and go, how would, you know, how would I set this up from the outside in rather than just as cast as being like, oh, we just, we look at one line, but you're looking at many different, if that makes sense. Um, especially since you're right, we, we do produce out, you know, we are our own producers on the, on the English side. Um, and essentially we run things through our awesome, awesome man, Shalyan, who, um, runs legend. the show from them. Yeah, absolute legend. Um, I'm going to finish off with one simple question and shout out to gonna... Yadong. Rest in peace. Yadong was great. Our, our graphics producer, He's not old. Dead, by the way, he got promoted, but <laughs> well, he deserved. Oh, I mean, I know why. Uh, our graphics of, I think he was doing a little bit in 2020 and uh, all of 2019. I think he did the vast majority of 2020, right? Yeah. And then towards the end of 2020, I think was. I think summer split 2020 was when he kind of phased out and good guy. He went to the LCK podcast. Ah. <laughs> so, well, what a what a good I, thing. I, I just I want to quickly clarify. He went to the Chinese translation LCK broadcast, not the L- I'm not you just spitting spat on the LCK, on LCK English. You literally just I love spat you. On LCK I love you English LCK. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Hey, come they back. They took your that. dong from us, Jake. How can you be this laissez-faire about it? Your dong's well, a legend. Yeah, he's he's a legend, but you still spat on LCK broadcast. Um, I'm I'm gonna round it out with this one question because it's the same <laughs> questions. Uh, uh, what I want to do with this show is like ask the same questions and look at the different responses so that people have a a a strong control of like you know 
the same basic questions. We've looked just at you today, and in the second part, we'll look more about play-by-play -play and like what you actually think of the role uh, when I bring you back. Because it's been a long episode, and I'm, I'm grateful for it as well. Like I've, I've kind of lost time with you. Um, I like talking. You do like talking. <laughs> and I like talking to you, mate. I know, you're, you're great but, you know, you and you and Lyric, I, I don't know if I'm fine to talk about your story meetings where you and Lyric have, you know, chat and, you know, yeah, you, you lose seven hours, apparently. You guys <laughs> literally do like a seven hour story meeting. It's necessary, though, because <laughs> the thing, right, let me tell you, let me tell you something, guys. Yeah. If you're ever going to a story meeting, and this may be different in different regions, but at mm. least from my perspective in the LPL, when we go into a, a so a story meeting is where we prepare all of the assets and things and talk about what we want to talk about in the cast. Good context. Yep. If you go into that thinking, I just want to get this done as fast as possible, you're going to have really boring, really cookie cutter graphics because you just did whatever graphic seemed fine. True. Whereas if you go into that and you commit the fact that this day is for prep for those casts. And you turn that meeting, instead of just a story meeting to prep those assets, you instead turn that into a, I'm going to hang out with my co-caster and we're going to talk about this series and we're going to gradually figure out what we want to have as our segment because these are the parts that are actually going to turn out uh, as as major parts of our show. Like, this is the real conversation here. You, mm. you like, discover this story, right? You don't, you don't pick the story. The story picks you, okay? okay. And also... It's, I just like hanging out with people. Yeah, you do. Uh, that's kind of, that's a lot of it is like talking about geopolitics and shit. I'm going to be real with you, but but it does help if you like commit to just doing this shit until you figure out the right things. True. About. I mean, look, I'm not one to talk. I mean, I remember playing TFT with Clement or, or Lyric, you know, while we would talk about like one element of the day. So that would go on for a couple of hours, but usually half an hour to an hour. Um, I find it's really different as well because like just on that note like with with Jordan especially Jordan and I can be quite boring because Jordan a lot of the time will be like no I don't like that story no I don't want to talk about this and I'm like but dude he got like this he played well last game maybe it's cool like to do this he'd be like no I don't want this um, whereas other people I think I take a lot of I, I don't take leadership with Lyric and that was the same with Raz I don't know about you, but like in different duos, like with Rob as well, I don't take pure lead like pure leadership, but a bit more yeah. like I like this direction more. Let's really do this, and it'd be like, oh, okay, like we can also do that. And um, where Jordan, I like I'm the backseat. I'm the second, in, uh, you know, I'm the second in that relationship. So it's it's kind of interesting you mentioned that because it's sort of similar to me where with with when me and Rob are putting a segment together, it's very much like the vast majority of it is very collaborative. We both work on what we want to talk about, and then we build a segment from that. And we both go and find stats. We both go and find B-roll and stuff. Usually when I'm building a segment with Lyric, um, I essentially step into my producer role. Yeah. And he goes, here are the things that I want to talk about. Like, I already have clips in mind that I want to see. I already have stats in mind that I want to use. Uh, how do we make this interesting? And then it's my job to do the creative side of things and go... This is this is how we're going to tell this story. This is how yeah. we're going to turn this from just boring stats and B-roll into an actual story of players and, and make this engaging and interesting to the audience. So mm. it's like with, with me and Lyric, it's a very different relationship in terms of story meetings to what it is with me and Rob. 
which is why they're quite different story meetings. But that said, like my heart goes out to Rob because he had to live with me in 2020. And in our story meetings, which would go on for literal days because we were living in the same place, it would be like an ongoing conversation because I'm a bit of a, you know, I don't just talk about Mojo. I live Mojo, baby. Um, (laughs) I would like pace around the living room. I would like just walk endlessly around our living room because I can't think and sit down at the same time. And I like sitting down is restrictive, man. Yeah. I hate this chair. Fuck you, chair. Um, (laughs) So anytime I'm on the phone, I will walk around. I cannot be on the phone. I do the same. I have to pace. Um, Me me sitting in a chair is a miracle most of the times, yeah. So Rob would basically be sat at his chair like, going like this for the entire story meeting, watching yeah. me pace around the room. He must have got dizzy by the end of those, but we would like go deep, deep down the rabbit hole of like yeah. how we were going to somehow fit the Little Mermaid into this segment because we've decided that this player kind of looks like a fish or something <laughs> along those lines. And then eventually Rob would be like, this is fucking dumb. And I'd be like, yeah, let's, let's do something else. Um, <laughs> So there's a lot of really cool segments that never made it to air because they were just too fucking dumb. But mm. um, yeah, but but I think that those kind of journeys make the final segment better at the end because True. you got the stupid shit out of your system. Plus, you build, you're building rapport. You're building a lot of rapport. Exactly, I mean, yeah. I, I think you, you've you've done that the best out of the team as well. Like you built rapport with your color casters, and a lot of it has come through. Uh, these these long sessions that you do. Um, that wasn't the final question. I'm going to bring you to the final question before we finish up. Um, big thank you, everyone. Tangenting too. No, hard. no, no, no. But th- at this, you know, like I'm I'm welcoming it. Um, I want to know what your future looks like. I want to know what like you don't you don't have to give me hard plans. I'm not your. Mother. I want to know what my future looks like. <laughs> How do I die? I mean, like, I, I want to know about your goals, and and then I want to know what you think is going to happen with League of Legends as an esport, and like. You know, if that influences you at all. So let's start with you first and what you kind of want to achieve and whether it's over a five-year period, a 10-year period, you know, if it's the next couple of years, like, do, do we start as saying something as easy as Worlds, which for any League of Legends caster, I feel like is, of course, a, a good goal. Yeah. So I think, obviously, 12-month goal, Worlds. Mm. Who could have seen that one coming? Um I think that one's a relatively obvious goal. Uh, That was my goal. Well, that wasn't like my hard goal for this year. That was like a stretch goal for this year. I'm disappointed that I didn't make that this year because I felt like it should have felt like this was the year. Um, But should have, yeah. Obviously, next year that is my goal. You should have, mate. You should have. You should. Let's let's not get down this loop. Let's not get. (laughs) We've had this conversation. Um, In terms of like stretch goals. I don't necessarily have any that are like super solid. I want to be doing this by five years. Well, I do, but not that I want to share. Mm. Um, the The biggest things for me are like, I want to not just make it to Worlds, but I want to, it, for me, it's less about an event and it's much more about like, I want to like my very, very like 20 year goal is I want to be, the kind of old guy on the broadcast that's been around for so long that like has that respect and that that tenure that 
when they say something, you know that it's well researched and you know that, that you can trust what they say. I want to be yeah. like that kind of character within League of Legends. I want to be a respected personality within League of Legends. And I'm not just talking about like a popular like flavor of the month personality. I mean like I want longevity within League of Legends and I want to be one of one of the names that is remembered, right? I want when people think of League of Legends and League of Legends esports, I'd like to be a part of that conversation. Um and you know, as such, one of my big goals is I want to, as a play by play, have a massive legendary call, right? Mm. I want to have a call that in five years' time is randomly quoted on Reddit because it's appropriate to the conversation, you know? I want to yes. have one of those moments so yeah. I kind of go down in history with that. Um, but then outside of that as well, like just in terms of from a professional side of things, um, I would eventually really like to go back into producing. I think that's okay. going to be like my secondary career when when I'm kind of done with with casting. I don't know when that is. I don't think it'll be anytime soon. I think I'm going to do casting for a very, very long time. I intend to at least. Um, but I would like to maybe return to to the producing side of things mm. um, once I have a much bigger reputation and can ask for more money. Okay. What about, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, and by that stage, I mean, I feel like you will. Um, what about, what about like, let's just quickly finish up with league and esports in general. Um, future of that is my biggest question because might influence you if you, you know, you haven't moved on, you have a changed esport or you went back into producing. Do you see an end? Do you see an end with what we're doing? <laughs> How it all ends. <laughs> probably i will i'll go to the toilet i'll think it's just a big shit it's actually half of it's a shit half it's a heart attack die on the spot <laughs> i think that's how it ends okay. was that the question or <laughs> you asked no. how it ends <laughs> right that's how league of legends esports ends everyone can unravel oh that. oh sorry no oh, no no no, no. don't 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 answer that that's the answer You've given me the ad. That's how it ends. It dies with me. That's how big and respected I'll become. When I die, the whole sport dies. It can't continue without me. That's oh, the level that I want to get to. Yeah. Do you think it actually? Do you think it ever ends up dying? I mean, everything has an end, right? But things like football, you know, like NRL in Australia yeah. and AFL still goes on. So, I, I I think it's very possible that League of Legends dies, right? But mm. I don't think it's I don't think it's likely anytime soon. No. Um, I think that the, you know, a more cynical person than I, which is, <laughs> I'm pretty cynical, um, would, you know, cite uh, game development decisions and things like this and suggest that that's like, League is coming to an end. Mm. Um, I've seen these kinds of videos the 10 years that I've been playing League. Yeah. It's not come to an end just yet. In fact, it's no. getting bigger every year. League is dying, um, you know, all that kind of shit. It's just like, I think I was just upset that they went 0-10 on Yasuo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, honestly, I, I can vibe with a lot of the points that these people make, but mm. I don't think that enough of these points are significant enough for it to yeah. matter. Um, I think right now, League is in a commanding position, not just in terms of esports, but in terms of the games industry in general. Yeah. Um, they have an incredibly addictive game. 
which is rare. Uh, there are when you think about how many games you've played across your life, how many of them have hooked you like League of Legends hooks people? Yeah. World of Warcraft is the only other game I can think of that's had anywhere near the level of like addiction that, that League of Legends gives. I, I look, I'll even when you story. fucking hate the game. Even when, yeah, well, yeah, like MMOs, I think just as a blanket, right? Yeah, okay, oh, okay. Very, very addictive, right? But like, you can literally have been on a 10 loss streak. You fucking hate the game. You hate yourself. You hate anyone that's within 20 miles of you. You can't stand the thought of another human being. And you definitely can't stand the thought of Yasuo right now. Yeah. The idea of playing another game is abhorrent to you. What do you do? You click play again. <laughs> you play again. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that game's going to die anytime soon. You know? I don't think balance changes are going to be enough for that to, to die in a significant way anytime soon. I think that's going to go for a long old time. They really, honestly, Riot have to fuck this up big time for League of Legends yep. to die in the next 10 years. Yep, agreed. It's big. I thought you were putting the palm over no, the face. I, to be that's like, oh, the shit. end of the video. No, that I was just getting it to refocus. Touch wood. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I completely agree. But yeah, look, I hope you have a, a happy, healthy career. Um, this is going to be the end of oh part God, one. Sweet. Thank you for joining me. You, you're you're obliged now. You have to join me for a second part. Um, that's okay. I'm down. Okay. But this right, well, next time you have to have a beer as well. I'll have a beer next time. Well, at 8 a.m. Yeah, mate. Okay. Shoey. Okay. <laughs> do a shoey at 8 a.m. Well, if you do a shoey, I'll do a shoey. All right, shit. I don't have any shoes, though, that I'm comfortable with getting beer in, you know? Yeah, That's no, ex me either, actually. expensive shoe. Um, but, yeah, look, we'll, we'll come back with a, another part. I'm hoping now that I've removed the soundtrack source out of Streamlabs, could you imagine after these two hours, two hours and ten minutes, the VOD has no desktop the, audio, which no means audio. no audio of you. Could you imagine? Ah, oh, fuck. I can't I don't imagine. Know why I said that. I really hope. <laughs> I really I'm hope. very imaginative, but I can imagine that. Um, let's let's hope. I've but, done it. <laughs> but um, thank you again. Well, next time we come around, you and I will talk more about play-by-play -play and what the role is itself. Um, I'm gonna run this on an intermission and return back because I normally stream in like an hour's time anyway. So. We're gonna we're gonna run Mate, it into have a have a wonderful stream. I will. And you know what? If we never talk again, Jake, have a fucking incredible life. You know? <laughs> I'm quite sure. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I hope oh. you have every success you ever dreamed of. Thank you. Well, I hope you don't get hit by a bus so we can do part two. Appreciate you coming on much. Thank you again. And um I'll see you for the next episode. All right, Bye, thanks everyone. everyone. Bye chat.